listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. It is the bonus hour of Miller and Moulton on this President's Day. Hope you had a great weekend. Thanks for starting your week off with us. Even if you're not working today, enjoy the day off. Miller and Moulton. We got one more hour of work ahead of us here on the Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. If you missed our last hour, Todd Bodine talking about whether or not we should finish Daytona and the season championship race in Phoenix the way they currently finish it, or should those races be green flag specials? And we just had Mike Westoff on, who's unretired for the second time. And both times he did it because of Sean Payton. He's the new assistant head coach of the Broncos. Westoff's always good radio. So if you missed it last hour, download that hour when it's posted here sometime in the next hour on floridasportsnetwork.com. What did he call Sean Payton the best teacher? On-field teacher. On-field teacher. This is a guy who worked with Don Shula and Jimmy Johnson, both regarded for their teaching abilities, particularly Shula. And now he said that's just one aspect. Shula's the best coach. He said not even close. But in terms of in the middle of practice, teaching you something, he goes, I've never seen anybody better than Sean Payton. Hmm. Okay. And they're – you know, that's amazing to me, too, because there are only so many drills. There are only so many ways to run a practice. You you know, you've been around practices. They they can all start to look the same after a while. Mm-hmm. In fact, most of them are very similar to how they run. These coaches are creatures of habit. They don't do things very differently than the others. So for the coaches that get in more in practice, why? How? And obviously... Mike thinks it's Sean's teaching ability that separates. So he's got quite the ball of clay to work with here. The Denver Broncos offense with Russell Wilson. We shall see. They won five games last year. If they had scored 17 points a game, I think they would have won double that. And that's how bad they were offensively, but also how solid they were defensively. It's what some people are bringing up with Derek Carr, Mark, is that since Carr entered the league, apparently the Raiders had the worst defense slash special teams of all the teams in the league. That there's some metric in which they advanced whatever and that the Raiders defense slash special teams since Carr was drafted came out 32nd in the league. And so that's why there are some who, if you're buying that metric, is like, well, imagine if he goes to a place like the Jets, who everybody agrees has a top 10 defense on a bad day. Maybe a lot better than that. And even if they have average special teams. And then it's kind of like, so now imagine Derek Carr with competent the rest of the team. Now, what would you think of Derek Carr? That's 
you know, obviously what his agent's selling, but that's also what some people are selling, that this could be, this could be Matthew Stafford going to the Rams. You know, quick question, Mark, how many playoff games had Matthew Stafford won before he took the Rams to the Super Bowl? Well, that would be zero. How many playoff games has Derek Carr won? Zero. Did they just need, quite frankly, to go to a good team? And and so that's I don't know. I mean, you know, you we all know the teams who need a quarterback. Is that what you're thinking when you look at Derek Carr? That he's you know what, this could be Matthew Stafford all over again. Or do you go, no, he's not that good? I don't think of him as that good. I don't. But I will say I'm fascinated by whoever goes to the Jets with what their defense is, with the way we think Salah can coach, particularly on that side of the ball. They were 7-4 and four before it all fell apart, in large part because they didn't have a quarterback. Tell you what, Joe Douglas is lucky he's getting to make this call because I know he's gotten a lot right. But he picked Makai Becton fourth overall, and he picked Wilson second overall. I mean, right now, he's 0 for 2 on two top five picks. Imagine where they'd be if he had just drafted good players with those picks. I mean, I think they took Becton fourth when the Bucks took Wirfs at 14. I think Becton was the first of the four tackles in that draft. Imagine what the Jets would have been like these last few years with Tristan Wirfs. Now, Wirfs wouldn't have a Super Bowl ring, but you know how much money Tristan Wirfs would be making with the hype he would have gotten in New York? It is astonishing that you can miss because you're not supposed to miss at all on those picks. No. Not, I mean, not bus. These are flat-out bus. Right. Not even serviceable. Right. Wilson doesn't look like he can play. And Becton, you know, gave one year, and now he's kind of physically falling apart, but everybody's also questioning his heart, quite frankly. Uh, Two top five picks. Think of where they'd be. If you're the Dolphins, by the way, all Dolphins listening. (laughs) Thank goodness. Thank goodness they screwed that up. That division I, could be really good this year. I, it was right on the edge of being it last year. I know. I mean, if the Jets quarterback situation wasn't a mess and if the Dolphins quarterback didn't get hurt, how much of a handful that division would be. And I would just like you know, for New England to give Mac Jones something to work with. I mean, at least they got him a competent coordinator in Bill O'Brien. That's a good start. But could you could you get him some weapons, please? I mean, you know, their weaponry is kind of similar to the Bears. I mean, come on now. Right, they're fighting. They're fighting in World War One, and everybody else is in modern times. I mean, they from right. a weaponry standpoint, David. They're you know, give a, if they could get rid of the muskets, it, it might help. Listen, I understand the emotional attachment to it. It served you really well for a long time. But you're right. We may want to modernize this weaponry. Just a thought. Get back to you on it. But 
And the funny thing about Carr is, see, Carr doesn't have to wait to the beginning of the new year. You know, he's been released. He's out there. I mean, he can he can sign now. You know, he's not a salary cap casualty. Uh, along closer to March fifteenth, he's a casualty now. It did come out over the weekend, by the way. Uh, Bob McGill, who covered the Packers, still does kind of, sort of, but he was really the source on the Green Bay Packers for 40 years. And now he's, you know, kind of retired and kind of doing his own thing, but he's still got all those sources. He came out, did a podcast with somebody late Friday or early Saturday, and he just said the Packers are sick and tired of Aaron Rodgers. They are so done with him. And that basically, it doesn't matter what Rodgers decides. They're done. And they are moving on to Jordan Love. Financially, how? I, I, that, I, I get I it. I get it. They're really sick of him. He's annoying. But financially, I'm trying to figure out how the hell they can pull this off. I mean, his dead cap hits $99 million. That His seems cap- to me to be a big deal, David. I don't know. I, you know, maybe I'm not as good at math as I thought. <laughs> no, Mark, it, that's a big number. It really is. All right. I love you. I love the stories. He's open to reworking his deal. Really? You think? I mean, the dead cap hits 99 million, and I think the the cap hit this year is like 59 because of the way the the restructuring was, you know, done. Yeah, dead cap at 99.8. Mm-hmm. He's going to make $59.5 million in cash this year. And see, if he stays in Green Bay, his cap hits only 31.6. But once you trade a guy, all the future bonus money gets thrown on the cap immediately. So right now, to move Aaron Rodgers, the way we understand the cap, that's $100 million. You can't do that. So, Mark, we figure that he's going to have to, now that he's awoken from his, you know, four-day slumber there, and we don't know if he's seen a shadow or not, that he's going to have to do what Aaron Jones just did. He's going to have to sit down with Green Bay and rework his contract and do it in a way in which a team out there will actually pick it up. And if any of us understand how in the world they're going to do that, you're lying. Because none of us understand it. Including people in the NFL. So that's that's my you know he he may wake up and see a shadow, but does that mean he's have one more year as a Green Bay Packer? I, I mean I don't know how this is going to work out because I I don't know how the two get divorced. Well, it, it only takes one side. It takes two sides to make a relationship, but it takes one side to break it. I I got you, but the Packers don't have the side to be trying to make this divorce happen to me. Unless they're just sacrificing everything next year. So we'll see. That was out there over the weekend. The Packers are done with them. They're fed up with them. I don't buy it for a minute. And they're moving on. Don't buy it. I do. I actually, Bob McGill's been really good about the Packers over the years. I'm going with Bob McGill. 
I'm not even saying Bob's – they may be sick of him. I just don't think they can afford to do it. I'll think about it, though. If he comes to them and says, okay, I want out, then in theory he'll – the Packers say, well, we're going to have to get very creative here. And there's not going to be much of a negotiation here. I mean, we're going to have to get staggeringly creative to be able to trade you where it doesn't bankrupt us. And he'll be like, well, as long as I make my $59.5 million in cash, I don't care who I get it from. You know, it's like Aaron Jones. He was supposed to make $16 million in salary. He, negoti- he negotiated down to eleven, but he gets eight and a half of the eleven up front. Well, it's better than getting cut and getting nothing. But they can't just cut Aaron from a salary no. cap standpoint. That's what, that's what makes <laughs> no, this so can't. crazy. Miller and Moulton trying to figure it all out right here on the Florida Sports Network. You're listening to Miller and Moulton exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. 21 minutes past the hour. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Thanks so much for being with us. David Sampson, Pat Kerwin. Among those scheduled to be on our show tomorrow. Hey, I don't know how much you paid attention to Brett Comer returning over the weekend to Alico Arena as the assistant for Stetson. We talked about it on Friday. You know, if we were FGCU, what would we do? Would we take a moment and honor him? You know, or do you just play ball? And so they, you know, did the announcement. You know, and then, you know, returning to at least this is what I'm told, you know, that, you know, they didn't bring him out the center court or anything. Right. And, but they just said, you know, and Stetson coaching staff, head coach Donnie Jones, blah, 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 and making his return to Alico Arena, you know, blah, 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 and apparently he got a nice hand. Okay. Michael Fly, the former coach, took to Twitter. And, you know, said some very nice things about Brett, you know, so proud of the man he's become and husband and father, never mind coach, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, look forward to returning to FGCU when they retire his jersey is what Michael Fly tweeted out. And I thought to myself, you know, I mean, you're with the Blades. They've got what a handful of. I think retired? there's only there, if there's more since I've left. I know there was three. There was Tom Buckley, Reggie Berg, Ernie Hartley. I do not know if they've retired anybody since then. Okay, and um, I believe, and if I'm wrong, you know, please correct me. I think Chris Sale is the only jersey that's been retired in any of the sports that FGCU plays. There's not a basketball jersey hanging. I don't believe, like, you know, Sarah Hansen scored 1,900 points for FGCU. I'm pretty sure her number's still in circulation. You know, they've had two players on the women's side drafted in the WNBA. You know, there's neither. And Whitney Knight played five years there. Her number's not up in the rafters. I think, you know, I'm trying to think, is there a softball number that's out there? And they've had a couple of, you know, professional softball players. But... When I saw that comment from Michael Fly, I went, oh, okay. And then I thought, hmm, do you think that'll ever happen? Like, if you're running the show over there at FGCU and you're not a retired numbers guy. No, but I 
I am when they're deserved. And I'm not trying to slight Brett Comer. Is he the best men's basketball player to ever play for FGCU? Well, we could have that debate. Because first off, he played four full years. So if you look like all-time stats, like he just got passed over the weekend in terms of minutes played. Up until this past weekend when Caleb Caddo, who's played five years, he passed him. But up until then, no one had ever played more minutes in an FGCU jersey than Brett Coleman. Obviously, we all know his role in the Sweet 16 run, the flashy point guard and all that. And then he played two more years after that. Is he the best player? No. I mean, Sherwood Brown on that team was the ace on player of the year. Right. You know, it was a debate as to who was the better guard, Comer or Bernard Thompson. They played four years next to one another. But here's another thing. Like, needless to say, Mark, if that was the Yankees, I mean, you know, everybody on that team. Well, exactly. Number retired. Right. But. You know, because you could put the banner up, obviously. Like, and the team just got inducted into the FGCU Hall of Fame. And well-deserved. Right. I mean, you can't have, I mean, if you have a Hall of Fame, you don't have the Sweet 16 team in it. You just need to not have a Hall of Fame. But I just thought it was an interesting thing that former coach Fly put out there on Twitter. And and he, it was, I know, Fly, you do as well. He's not an agenda guy. Okay, he just thinks that there will come a time when Comer's zero will be retired. Like I we mean, could Dakota debate Rivers, whether or not someone should even wear zero. Well, and Dakota Rivers has worn the number his whole career. And he's wearing it now. You know, like I don't know how Dolphins fans feel when they see a wide receiver wearing Duper and Clayton's numbers. And do they think, what the, how did we not take those numbers out of circulation? And the Dolphins are like, no, nah, you're in a ring of fame, but you ain't a retired Jersey guy. That's, that's Marino. That's greasy. You know, let's take it easy now on the whole retired Jersey thing. I mean, think about the Cowboys. They have two 88s that are in the hall of fame at wide receiver. That number's still in circulation. That would be interesting. I, I'd never given it any thought. He is an neither. immensely popular player for that. I mean, he would be. I think with with Goodwin and Sherwood Brown and a lot of these players, if you went around and just asked to name somebody from Dunk City, you know, not even in the FGCU community, you went around Southwest Florida. I think Comer's name would be the first one said by a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, Chase Feeler was kind. You know. He was there a year before Brett, and, you know, on campus, Chase was kind of like the mayor. I know Eddie Murray got that nickname because he's from Fort Myers and, and what have you, but, you know, Chase Feeler was like Mr. FGCU. Fell in love with a volleyball player. They got married. They've had two kids. I mean, he absolutely loved everything about that university. I've never seen an FGCU player who cared more about wearing the jersey than Chase Feeler. And I spent 20 years around athletics there. In all sports. Doesn't mean he's the best player in all sports, but I'm just saying I've never seen anybody that bled the green and blue like him. 
Do you think Comer's number should be retired? Well, because here's here's how I answer that. Because if you do one, how many are we going to do here? Well, there you go. And, you know, putting the team up in the rafters, are you going to take all the numbers out of circulation? Can't. Comer, Thompson, Sherwood Brown. Well, there's they had the big four. I mean, obviously they had others that contributed, but the big four was Comer, Thompson, Sherwood Brown, and Chase Feeler. They had two guys who split minutes at center. You know, they had three, four key guys who came off the bench on those teams, but were clearly role players. They had the big four. Sherwood was the one that graduated after the Sweet 16 run. Chase graduated the following year. Comer and Thompson played four years together. And so to me, you could convince me to retire his zero. But to me, it's like, well, if we're retiring one, we're retiring four. And not two. I mean, you wouldn't just do no the two guards. I, I, sure. Sherwood Brown was the A-Sun player of the year in 2013. He outplayed the third overall pick in the draft head-to-head in an NCAA tournament game. No. Mm-mm. To me, if we're doing one, we're doing four. Then I would be in the me. room. I would be in the room going, "We're doing none." Okay. It, that. Fair enough. They're in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. They are honored daily. I mean, they still use Dunk City on everything that they put out about that basketball team. They will be honored forever with that. Ten years next month, by the way. Wow. We're old. <laughs> that's, that's how we're going to end this conversation, huh? Well, that's the conclusion I drew from it. <laughs> Talking about retiring those numbers. Holy Toledo. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Listen, I didn't say you were wrong. I didn't dispute it at all. Just, just slap me right in the face right there, David. <laughs> so we're undecided on the retired numbers, but we're confirmed that we're old. 100%. <laughs> the only, you know, the problem is you can talk me into retiring the numbers. We can't do a damn thing about the old, David. Not a damn thing. Miller and Moulton, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Today was the day when what's on tap all still ahead on the Florida Sports Network. You're listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. 22 minutes till the top of the hour, 17 until we're out of here. The President's Day edition of Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Thanks so much for being with us. If you have the day off, enjoy it. I mean, when's the next one of these? Around Easter, right? Who knows? We don't get them anymore, so I don't really pay much attention. <laughs> well, I, I mean, the hope is, you know, we renew the contract. We, you know, we're working on some big things here. If stuff actually comes to fruition, you know, we're gonna act. We're gonna get holidays off. I know, but like, you know, March Madness. There's no official holiday. St. Patrick's Day is not an official holiday. I mean, for those that have today off, don't you have to go to Easter? Yes, you do. You know, with Good Friday and, you know, 
St. Patrick's Day is on a Friday, too. It, oh, wow. Second day of the tournament. I know. Get absolutely hooked on phonics on the day before it, staggering into St. Patrick's Day. That could be a hell of a weekend right there. It sure could. For those of you doing that weekend in Vegas, good luck. <laughs> uh, so that's all. That's all. Just thought it was worth mentioning. So enjoy the day if you have it. It's time for someone to take back this segment, if for no other reason than to stop David from talking about Meghan and Harry. Here's Mark Miller with Today Was the Day When. W-O-R-A-M began today in 1922 in New York City, David. 7.10 a.m.? Yep. Today in 1929, the Red Sox announced they'll play Sunday games at Braves Field because Fenway Park is located too close to a church. Huh. Yeah. Today in 1953, August Bush buys the St. Louis Cardinals for $3.75 million and pledges not to move the team from St. Louis. Wow. I didn't realize the Cardinals were in jeopardy of moving. I just thought it was a football thing. Today in 1962, John Glenn becomes the first American to orbit the Earth aboard Friendship 7. 63, Willie Mays becomes the highest highest paid player in baseball, signing a record $100,000 contract with the San Francisco Giants. Phil Esposito becomes the quickest to score 50 in a season today in 71. Today in 72, A.J. Foyt dominates the Daytona 500, winning by almost two laps. Mario Andretti and A.J. Foyt, the two guys known for IndyCar who both won Daytona. Today in 74, Gordie Howe comes out of retirement for the cool price of $1 million from the Houston Arrows. 77, Cale Yarbrough wins his second 500. Janet Guthrie becomes the first female in a NASCAR Cup Series event. She would finish 12th. I believe two years earlier in the 75 Indy 500 was when she raced in that hey just going back quickly aren't you surprised that houston doesn't have an nhl team if you think about it they had a wha team in the 70s and think about what the city of houston has become in the last 40 plus years i mean it's a top six market in this country size wise and some people think it's on the verge of like being number three it's certainly a top 10 market And the NHL has forced a franchise in South Florida, Arizona, not Houston. And they've been close a few times, but have never gotten one. You're right, David. 83, Yarbrough wins his third Daytona 500. It was the first time an in-car camera goes into victory lane before a national sports audience. Ooh. What year was that, 83? 83. So 40 years ago is the first time we put a camera inside a car. Those shots are amazing. 30 years ago, the Florida Marlins opened their first spring training camp. Dale Jarrett wins his third 500 today in 2000. Jeff Gordon wins in 05. Trevor Bain, the youngest ever winner in 2011. Those born today that are no longer with us, Ansel Adams, Sidney Portier, Bobby Unser, Walter Becker from Steely Dan, and Kurt Cobain. Mitch McConnell and Phil Esposito are both 81 today. 
Charles Barkley is 60. Cindy Crawford is 57. Justin Verlander is 40. Trevor Noah is 39. And Rihanna is 35. And that is today was a day when, David. Wow, that's a hell of a list there. Barkley, three days older, uh, younger than Jordan. Phil looks pretty good for 81. He does. Certainly looks better than Mitch. Begging the question. <laughs> well, yeah, if you can't look better than Mitch McConnell. Who can you look better than? <laughs> uh, hey. Oh, no, we're not there yet. Whatever. Okay. I'll wait. You'll wait? I'll wait. You've heard folks elsewhere mock Florida is gonna Florida. Well, Mark Miller sees it differently. He calls it the good, the bad, and the ugly. What you got, Mark? According to archaeologists, they've been dining out in bars for a long, long time. Apparently, in Samaria, they already had bars 1,000 years before the Great Pyramids were built. In ancient Mesopotamia, they found an area by archaeologists found an area that included open-air seating, a kitchen complete with a clay oven, a clay chiller, and ancient cookery. So good to know that they were out, uh, you know, hitting the bars in Iraq 5,000 years ago. They have peanuts? Any evidence of uh, mixed nuts? Chex Mix? Anything? Peanuts, huh? I just, well, I mean, if you have bars, okay. Probably more dried figs. I was going to say, what what were they snacking on? Talk about back in the day. For the bad, we go to Cape Coral, where Frank Hood has lived there for 23 years, and he's come across his first neighbor rivalry. Apparently, the house across the canal never turned their lights on. It's always been dark. Now the neighbors have bright lights and go right flashing onto his patio. He spoke to the neighbors. They're not turning their lights off. Now he's looking to code enforcement to try to keep his porch dark at night. Good luck. Frank, did you say is the guy's name? Is it Frank? Yes, Frank Hood. Okay, okay. Frank, here's how you combat that. You get a big sound system, okay? And at the edge of your lawn, okay, once it turns dark, you blast the Scorpions' big city nights. All right. Go with the scorpions, huh? Yep. Yep. I figure that'll that'll drive them out. That could put a for sale sign in front of the house pretty quickly. Yep. Lights, nights, the whole deal. I just you keep keep. They're not going to turn their lights down. Fine, you're going to blast the music. For the bad, we go to Fort Myers, where David Paulson just wanted to buy his mom a key lime pie, so he put it in the fridge. And he told the person that lived there, don't mess with the pie. <laughs> you know what the guy My did, mom. don't you? Oh, that just. He ate the pie. Don't eat the pie. Right. He I ate don't the pie. eat the pie. Right. He Come ate on, the pie. What did they tell us? David not happy about it. Paulson dumped water over the person who ate the pie. The person who ate the pie called police, and Paulison was arrested and charged with battery on a person 65 or older. Don't eat the man's pie. Yeah, but you can't 
tell them to not eat the pie. Because then that's the only thing that we think about. Hey, you can't eat that pie. I'm saving it for somebody. Well, it's like, why? Why not me? Why am I not good enough to have some pie? It's for his mom, man. What, we can't get mom another pie? You couldn't save a piece of the pie for mom? You got to eat the whole thing? That's <sighs> pie disrespect right there, and it is the good, the bad, and the ugly on today, February the 20th, 2023. <laughs> I just think, you know, when you dangle that carrot like that, you're asking. Uh, you know what? You got anything going on today? And I'm not just asking that of you. I, it's somebody listening right now. Because the Florida Panthers are playing at 1 o'clock. For most of you, two hours tops to get there. For some of you, hour 30. Bada bing, bada boom. Not going to be a big crowd. They're playing the Anaheim Ducks, who are terrible. In fact, the Panthers are minus 420 in this game. It's the two points the Panthers really need, though. Can't can't screw this up. Right, because you've got teams ahead of them. you got Buffalo and Detroit that think they're still hanging around. This is a game Florida's got to take advantage of. I mean, Buffalo's only two points behind Florida. They have five games in hand. Detroit's only two points behind them. they got four games in hand. And the Panthers are still chasing the Penguins, the Islanders, and the Caps, who all have played the same number or less games. Both the Panthers and the Lakers, Mark, have 23 games left. You see what LeBron said, the All-Star break? Yeah, what are they, some of the most important games in my career? Yes, regular season games in my career, these 23 games. He said, and I'm going to do everything I can to play in all of them. That's what the NBA has been reduced to. The number one player in the league saying, I'm going to try like hell to play in all the remaining games. Can't guarantee anything. But I'm going to try really hard. Quick tangent. Felipe, All-Star Weekend. We know you were busy. You were out of town the whole deal. A, did you catch any of it? B, this whole weekend's for you. You're 22 years old. The league and this weekend are for you. My flight home had Wi-Fi, so I was able to watch the entire All-Star game. I thought it was boring. I thought that the best part of it was when LeBron was on the floor, but then he injured his hand. Because you know about 14 minutes. Right. Because he's never been in a dunk contest, but when he's in the all-star game, he treats it like a dunk contest. And he did have the nice self alley oop yeah. or whatever off the throw it off the glass to himself. That was cute. Tatum did it right out down the floor next play. But it was boring. It was terrible. It's it's borderline unbearable. Because then you got all these concerts, all these things in between. I took a nap when halftime came because I knew there was gonna be a concert and whatever, blah blah blah. Woke up, watched the rest of it. It was fine. So think about this, Mark. We're hockey guys. The NHL All-Star Game is completely unwatchable to us. Felipe is obviously a hoop head. And the NBA All-Star Game is completely unwatchable to him. Borderline unbearable. I'll say that. And the Pro Bowl now is reduced to a flag football game. Right. (laughs) Now the people who watched the dunk contest raved about the dunk contest. Correct. They say the dunk contest was saved. Every other year that happens. By Mac McClung. Right. Hello. Look up his high school tape, I promise you. (laughs) Yes. And if you do, by the way, 
we will send you away for some professional help. <laughs> if you're looking up the high school tape of Mac McClung, okay, and you're not working for Turner or ESPN and you're assigned to it, then you need professional help. He was viral, I promise. Whatever. Uh, so anyway, the Panthers are one of six NHL games. They play at 1 o'clock. The Bruins play at 1 as well. Best team in the league hosting Ottawa today at 1 o'clock. Correct. They've lost eight times in 55 games in regulation. Eight. Uh-huh. Uh, no NBA till Thursday, by the way. Houston will be the new number one in college basketball later today. Usually comes out around lunch. Uh, Mark, Kansas TCU tonight, 9 o'clock, four-letter network. Kansas had a tough one with Baylor. They were down, came back to take care of them pretty well in the second half of that game. Be curious what they have in them today, tonight, for the TCU game. That's uh, I mean, every night in the Big 12, it's ranked team against ranked team, it seems like. But Kansas going through a little bit of a gauntlet right now after a nice, impressive win at home against Baylor on Saturday. I'm going to try to watch every single game of the Big 12 tournament. Well, imagine that. Kansas tied for first atop the Big 12 despite everything that's gone on this year. And, oh, by the way, it's mid to late February. They've won four in a row. How about that? They'll be a one seed. You picking against Kansas go to the Final Four right now? They're only about six deep. I mean, you know, this is a vulnerable Kansas team compared to, like, last year's Kansas team would have beat this one by 10. But I don't know what else is out there that scares me. Purdue's been playing shaky lately. Bama was playing well, and then they lost to Tennessee. Albeit at Tennessee. Right. Houston can have games in which they can't put the ball in the ocean if they're standing in it. So... That's what you got tonight. I'm telling you, 1 o'clock, Panthers, you're playing at home. Drive over. Check it out. Be home by dinner. Not a bad way to spend a, a Monday afternoon, especially if you don't have to work. Thanks for joining us on this President's Day. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll do it all over again tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. David Sampson to join us. Until then, Miller and Moulton, have a great day on the Florida Sports Network.